Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, June the 24th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time, and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And uh, I was just telling Cindy how happy I was to be interviewing an Abraham equivalent yesterday, and we're going to get them back on Friday. We, we haven't completely nailed that down, but it looks like David Strickle is going to come back on Friday, and we can continue that conversation. And like I was telling you before the show, Cindy, this was uh, basically checking an item off my list of things I've been trying to manifest for a long time. I've wanted to have an Abraham-type, you know, combined consciousness from the non-physical to talk to, and I got my chance yesterday. And you know what the funniest part was? I I was so um, just blown away by the fact as I was going live yesterday and I got through the first half hour, which was basically interviewing David to find out, you know, how he got into doing all this stuff. And then the stream, which is what he calls his entities, uh, comes on and my mind went blank. <laughs> and I couldn't think of a single question. <laughs> and so I ended up talking about this magnetism question I told you about that um, had been my question to talk to Abraham about. And that kind of opened up the dam. But wow. It was, uh, Dan said it right after, you know, at the end of the show, I can't remember if he said it during the show or afterward, but when the stream came on, there was a perceptible lifting of energy. It was like, you know, vibration increased two or three times over and it kind of knocked me off balance. I wasn't ready for that, but it was cool. It, I loved it. <laughs> it reminds me of people when they, they meet, you know, someone that they've been a fan of their whole life and they finally yeah. get chance to meet them and talk to them and they're like i don't even know what i said i was just tongue-tied you know. <laughs> I mean, fortunately the years of practice of, just, of asking lots of questions kind of kicked into gear once i got the first one going but you know <laughs> well you know you said something too is that that uh gosh it seems like it's been i, I want to say say years ago i don't know how long it was but when you went to the abraham meeting you had a question right and so you had that question like in your pocket already this time, like ready to go. And it's kind of funny because, uh, that this week I've been talking to some of my clients about the idea of, um, making decisions in advance. Mm. Okay. And in, I always struggle to think of an actual, um, example of this, like in the moment, but, if we make, if we have certain things that we're deciding all the time and we make that decision in advance, mm -hmm. it's, it's like we make one decision and we never have to make those other thousand decisions that we would have to make if we hadn't have made that one decision in advance. And it's really, it's not something you do for every single thing, but it's a really powerful thing to be able to, to do because then you're not struggling in the moment to figure out what what to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm always trying to, uh, in the moment when I'm expressing this concept, I need to think of some real life examples that I just always have in my pocket. Uh, but sometimes we struggle over what to say or what to do. And if we would have made that decision in advance, then there would be no struggle. And we probably actually True. do this all the time in our yeah. life, right? With, with other things that we naturally just do. Oh, I, I do it consciously at times, to be honest. Well, like, you know, like things that are in our routine. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one time somebody asking the question, I can't even remember why it was like a survey and it asked the question, do you brush your teeth before you eat breakfast or after? Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because I was like, what? Who would ever brush their teeth before they ate breakfast? I thought, you know, right? Because I had made a decision in advance, apparently. I brushed my teeth after breakfast. Well, what's funny is that that was during a time that I always worked from home all the time. Mm -hmm. So I would I would get up and I would eat breakfast and brush my teeth. But later, you know, I, I would get up, get ready, brush my teeth, and then head out and go to breakfast. And I was like, okay, you know, there's all kinds of ways we can do this, right? But oh, absolutely. It's that decision in advance. If you can be conscious of places in your life where you can actually do that in other instances, even in instances that don't happen all the time, like you did, like if you were to say, if I ever oh, get yeah. a chance to talk to somebody who's channeling, you know, a, a source right. level energy, I'm going to ask them this. Yeah. Then you 
have it all ready to go. <laughs> and it was very valuable, let me tell you, because my mind, my mind was blank. And then that came to me. I said, okay, good. I have a question. And I could just kind of go through it really quickly without having to think about it. And, and the funniest part was I was so enthralled by having this, this opportunity to interview that my brain really was not working at a hundred percent. You know, it, like you said, it, it was kind of like, you know, the, 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 you run into the, the star and you actually talk to the star and you, you can't think of what to say. It was that kind of an experience to the point where I, I heard the answer. I could comprehend most of it, but most of it made no sense to me at all. And it's because my brain couldn't process it. Yeah. And, and then I went back to listen to it and I found it was a really hard answer anyway. That was, was my next question. question. I was like, could you go back and listen to it and see so, if it's So, possible? you know, there, there was almost no chance I was going to get it the first time anyway. <laughs> the odds were against me. So, but it all works out. It all works out. That's one of the nice things about having a recording, right? You can go back and keep replaying it until you finally say, oh, now I get what they're saying. Yeah. And in fact, David actually followed up with me um, via a text message afterward, um, telling me that my question had led to him having more conversation with the stream about it. And he says it's going to be part of his next book, the the, the topic that wow. came out of it, which is pretty cool. It's like, <laughs> that that's is a good result. Cool. I like that. So, you know, it all works out in the end. So how do you feel that the answer to that question impacts you on a practical level? I, I don't think I can give you an answer to that yet because I still haven't fully, gro I haven't grokked it to use an old Robert Heinlein phrase. I haven't totally I grasped it. Um, I mean, what he's talking about has to do with whether or not, um, the, the thing that you're trying to attract is actually a new creation. And that if it isn't, then there's a lower vibrational element to it. And I'm still working through that in my mind to really understand what the heck he's talking about. But at least I have some idea where he's going right. with it. So I'm sure I'll get there. I just have to get there. Then I can talk well, about it. The way I always think about these things is if, you know, when we're ready to get it, we just get it. Mm -hmm. And on any, you know, any of these things that we study, uh, any source material, books, podcasts, whatever, there's always something that you get right away that you can yep. walk away with and say, oh, I needed that or that was enlightening. Or, I've never thought about that before. And when you go back and listen, sometimes there's other things you never even heard. You know, we talked about this a lot. We we did certain books more than once, and it was like the second time. Wow. I True. don't remember this. I don't remember that. Yeah. So, you know, when you're meant to get it, it'll happen. Asking It Is Given was like that. The first time I read that book, I felt like I was just saying the same thing over and over again, and I wasn't getting any of the depth at all. <laughs> none of it. Just absolutely none of it. And then we go and do it on the show, working through it again. and. Oh, why didn't I get that the first time? That made more sense this time. <laughs> I'm reading some stuff right now that's so difficult to absorb just and just psychology stuff. And it's like, I have to keep reminding myself of that. Just, mm -hmm. you know, it's not that I want to just go over the surface and not understand anything, but I keep telling myself, just stay with it and kind of push through and You'll get the stuff that you can get right now. And next time you go back through, you'll get other things. And yeah. <laughs> it's okay to do it that way, right? Well, it's good. I mean, yeah. fortunately, it's good to to go through it a few times because you do get more. You, you, you kind of unearth more layers each time you go through. I think about when we did uh, all the Neville books on the show yeah. mm -hmm. that sometimes we would joke about reading one page for the hour mm -hmm. and we would just pick it apart and tear it apart and talk about it and hash it over and figure out examples in our own life where we've understood something like whatever Neville was saying. And I think that that did me so much good in order to really, really get it in my bones, so to speak, because, because there was such an in-depth conversation around every little bit all the time, instead of just zooming through. I remember there's a book, um, it's called Mastery of Love. I'm trying to think of the author. I'm looking at my bookshelf to see if it's up there. It's the same person that wrote the four agreements. Oh, um, is it Don Miguel Ruiz? Um, yeah, I think that may be it. And I, it's a little tiny book. And I thought, Oh, I'll take this with me to the beach. And in my mind, I thought I would just read it in an afternoon, hour and a half, you know, be done with it. Little tiny book. <laughs> and I would read two pages and I would 
close the book, get out of my beach chair, walk down the beach thinking about it, walk back down. I, I probably read like three pages in like five hours because it was so much to kind of contemplate, right? So <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I do remember the same thing as you do about the Neville books. And that, I, that has really served me well because I've once in a while, I like to dip my toe into the contrast of social media. And there's <laughs> lots of interesting stuff that people write about there, including Neville stuff. And every once in a while, I'll see somebody post something about something that we read and read in depth. And they'll say something. I'll say, well, you, you didn't read this carefully. You got to go back and read that. <laughs> you need a decoder ring. Yeah. That's right. Where's your decoder ring? <laughs> well, yeah, I understand that too. I, I realized this week that I'm every time I read anything on social media, it seems like nine times out of 10, I say out loud, Oh my God. <laughs> and I got called out on it this week and I thought, Oh my gosh, I have to stop that habit. That's a draining habit. I need to, I need to say something else. That's not so shocking. Well, it, it, it could be worse. I mean, if we take the Neville definition of what God is, you're saying, oh, my consciousness, that's not so bad. You know? Well, I, I don't have a problem with the actual words, right? It's just what they're expressing. Oh, I see. Shock and horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have any problem with uh, saying the words, but it's really the feeling that they're emoting is that I cannot believe that this is happening. And I hear I you. Realize, yeah. Okay, I think I'm... There's been a lot of opportunities. There's been a lot of opportunity for that lately, so I I totally grasp where you're coming from. On like, that. I think I'm going to that place a little too often. So. Yeah, 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 a little too much, <laughs> too much dipping in the well. I get it. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do a little. Um, we'll do a little one question quiz on Neville, okay? Because there was a <gasps> okay. There was a question that popped up on one of the groups, and it was a question raised by uh, somebody just asking for some help, and it, it kind of touches on an important Neville topic. Okay. And her topic, her question was very simple: How do you impress the subconscious mind? And she's, she was asking for a step-by-step -step process. And she also asked, how do you know it's done? She said, I really yeah. want to get to that point where I manifest my desires instantly. And so thank you. So let's go back to a little Neville for a moment. Okay. So step-by-step -step process, the easiest step-by-step -step Neville process I know of to impress the subconscious which we know is the part of us that actually does the creating, according to Neville. Right. According to Neville. Right. Um, your subconscious is actually doing the creating. And your conscious mind is seeding the subconscious. Right. To mm -hmm. make the creation. And Neville talks about um, the method where he, he is very, very uh, careful to talk about this I don't know what you call it, but that place you are when you're sort of between awake and asleep. And something that really hit me about this one day is that he, I don't know how this, we, we did talk about it. So you'll have to remind me of how this differs or not from what Abraham Hicks says. But Neville says that like those last thoughts that you have as you're falling asleep, that that's sort of, that's it. You've just planted the seed and those are the seeds that are going to be watered, so to speak, and develop the entire time you're sleeping. That's what's happening. That's what's being gestated, I guess. That's what's being created in the subconscious. And what hit me was how many people will worry themselves to sleep. And oh, I yeah. mean, I, I count myself. It's not like I've never done it, right? It's like you've got sure. something on your mind that you're worried about. And, you know, I think it is Abraham that said something like worrying is like praying for what you don't want. Yes, that's true. <laughs> right. So it hit me that if I'm in bed and I'm trying to go to sleep and my husband and I call this the uh, the hamster wheel. Right. Good name. And I like it. You have this thought that's going around and around and you can't sleep right. because, and all of a sudden then you start thinking of other things you're worried about. And it's like, Oh, I can't sleep. I'm worried about all these things. So if that's the place you're at, as you fall asleep, it hit me so hard. I thought, Oh my goodness, I don't want to fall asleep like that. If what mm. Neville is saying could possibly be true, that I'm literally planting this seed of something I don't want. Like Abraham says, and that that's the thing that's going to be being worked on by my subconscious for like however long I'm asleep, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. six hours, eight hours, whatever. Um, so 
So Neville says to fall asleep thinking of assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. I mean, that's his phrase, right? Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. So we go all the way past the hows and the, you know, potential scenarios of how this thing could actually happen. We go all the way past that. So we are at the end. We are thinking about how it would feel once we already have the thing. And that's that's the step-by-step how you impress the subconscious mm-hmm. is that you fall asleep with that thing on your mind. Now, alternately, Neville also talks about, he never, I don't think he ever uses the word meditation, but it's so obvious to us. You know, I think that, I think that in the new age communities in magical circles in the LOA communities, meditation is a, pretty no you know pretty normal thing to mention right right and like if you haven't done it you at least have heard people talk about it you know how to do it and but neville talks about getting your body into a very relaxed state and in that state to think about what you want and to feel it to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled mm-hmm. so it's exactly the same thing as we already mentioned, except one is just at any time when you go take 15 minutes and get your body really relaxed. And the other time is you're actually going to bed and falling asleep. I mean, that's how that would be the number one way I see Neville talking about impressing the subconscious. That's now, beautiful. I thought you did other, a great job with that. <laughs> well, the other part of the question though, had to do with the intention of the questioner mm-hmm. to manifest things instantly mm-hmm. and when i hear someone say that um i hear a little bit of i don't want to work for this <laughs> i want to wave my magic wand and impress my subconscious and the thing will appear now is that possible yeah because sure. pretty much anything is possible um but I don't know that that happens too often. I think it might have happened for Jesus and a few other historical miracle workers. And I think it can happen for us. But I also stand really strongly on the side of recognizing that we live on earth and that we need to make a plan that works without magic and then point our magic at it. Mm-hmm. And what I, I always use the same examples, right? It's like, Yes, do the magic, hold the vision, fall asleep at night thinking of yourself in that corner office with that big position you've been trying to get. But you're going to have to send some resumes out too. So has anyone ever gotten a fantastic job without sending out a resume? Sure. Oh, yeah. Your phone could ring. Someone could say, hey, I've just been thinking about you and realized I have a position. I want to hire somebody and I think you're the right person. That's actually happened to me. But I never depend on that. I always want to take some action along with impressing my subconscious. And so that whole idea of manifesting something instantly, it sounds fantastic because we all would love to feel what it feels like to snap our fingers and have something manifest instantly because it's delightful and surprising and magical and all of that. It is. Um, but we're probably really lucky that it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah, the delay does serve us more often than it doesn't. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. It's so funny I, would too. Ask, I would ask someone, if I was coaching someone and they said, said this to me, um, that I want to know how I can instantly manifest what I want. Mm-hmm. I think my question would be, why is that important to you that it happens instantly? Let's well, talk that's a good about question. That, yeah. Right? Because there's some reason and, and maybe it has to do with, I'm just, I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of whatever. Right. But there is so much that happens in the process mm-hmm. of manifesting something consciously. So much good stuff. Yeah. So much. Right. And sometimes there's struggle that actually turns out to be um, a, a, a learning curve, a growth experience, 
you know, on the flip side, it turns out to be something that we're happy that we got to experience. So I'm just always curious about that manifest things instantly. I know what it feels like. Like I, I have manifested something instantly and I, but more than that, I know what the desire for it feels like. Right, mm-hmm. because I don't want to wait for this. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to work. I don't want to do all these things. I just want to have the thing. I just want to manifest it instantly. And it's a bit but of a. Then stack I would even ask that. myself, "Why is that? Why are, are you, you so?" <laughs> to be perfectly honest, when you, when it manifests so quickly, it's a bit of a shock because we're used to it not manifesting quickly. We have all these resistances and blocks in the way. So when it does happen, it's like, "Oh, what just happened? Oh my goodness, I'm not used to this." Well, I think about my owl story and I probably think about that story because the experiment in Pam Grout's book was actually 48 hours. But you know, mm-hmm. that's not instant. Nope. That's actually a compared to instant, that's a long period of waiting. I think it was 26 hours actually for me that I waited. That's a pretty good turnaround. For any manifestation. If I can, oh, no doubt about it. Right. If oh. I can decide that I want something right now and it's here within 26 hours, it's, you know, it's faster than Amazon. Although I have to admit that particular question that you were answering, that, that you were addressing, it was the, it was the, uh, uh, the little test to do in her book. It's the same test that I manifested instantly. And it was, That's right. that, that was the one that knocked my socks off. Yeah. <laughs> it was the one where. Like that it manifested day, before you even got the paper filled out. Pretty much, yeah. 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 I, I had been um, <laughs> interacting with those social media people again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those days where everybody was talking about repetitive numbers. Why am I always seeing one, 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 three, 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 five, 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 all that kind of stuff? And I, I, I addressed a few of them, and finally I had enough. I said, "Okay, I'm, I'm done with these." It was like it was a day full of them, and I said, I, "I'm, I'm out of here." I'm, I'm <laughs> what done. does it mean? And everyone was asking, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> so I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? Cindy gave me the Pam Grout book. I haven't opened it yet. I'm going to go open that. I'm going to go read that. And so I went into the bedroom and opened it up, started reading, got to that first exercise. And the exercise says, okay, um, you're going to track something. You, aren't, you don't have to know. You're not going to know what it is. You're just going to know that it's coming and all that kind of thing. I said, okay, that sounds cool. So I start filling it all in. And it says, okay, you now write, write down the time that you're going to do this. Okay, check the time. It was 5.55. Instant manifest- manifestation. Like, oh, God, come on. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that but was it was awesome. cool. And not, I mean, my reaction literally was to burst out laughing. And Louise heard me from the other room. She says, are you okay? What is it? Because I, I practically fell on the floor with laughter when I read 5.55 on my smartphone as the time that I was writing down for the experiment. Right, right. <laughs> for anyone who's not clear on what we're talking about, Pam Grout had a book uh, called E-Squared, and it, mm-hmm. was a, it was a book to help people do some experiments to see if they could consciously create something, see if they could attract something, see if they could ask for something and it would show up. And the whole book is put together like little experiments. And she wants you to write down the date and the time and what you asked for. And then you wait to see what happens if you get the thing you asked for. And this particular one was really simple. It's like, ask for a specific thing that you want to see. And I think it was within 48 hours, right? And so, yeah, so Walt saw it when he, he saw it before he got the sheet. <laughs> so I'm filling out the form. <laughs> that was crazy. But boy, it did reinforce the fact that you can get stuff instantly. Because I, I clearly had no resistance at all because I, it, it wasn't even important to me. It was just like, it was just uh, something that I had been dealing with. And I, I was actually kind of done with it. It was behind me more than anything else. You know, so it's not like I had any attachments like, oh, God, I wonder if it's going to show up or anything like that. I've, I've, been, in, I've been in quite a few programs where there was a, uh, an experiment done like this. Um, I remember one of the very first mentors I ever had in a class that I took with him. There was a there was a thing, an assignment like that. It was like set an intention to find something, see something in the next week or so. And. You want it to be something that's unusual enough to where you actually know you saw, you know, you right. saw it, uh, but not so crazy. At, you know, so I want to put, well, I want to wake up tomorrow morning and there's 500 chickens walking down my street. Like that's probably not going to, you know, don't ask for something so ridiculous. It's probably not going to happen, but ask for something that seems a little bit out of the ordinary. 
And I remember someone in the class saying, because they, they asked for something, and I can't remember what it was, but it showed up right away. Not mm. quite as instant as yours, but like literally in a couple hours, they went somewhere. And, oh, my gosh, there it is, the Pretty very quick. thing. And they, they asked the question, why is it so at- easy to attract stuff we don't care about? <laughs> but the stuff we care about is hard to attract. And the answer was really, you know, it's not that you don't care about it, but it's that you're not attached to the exactly. outcome. Exactly. Right. And that was kind of like I asked for an owl and I, I really had automatically d- decided how it would happen a hundred different hows it could be. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I, somebody was going to send me a greeting card with an owl, or maybe the postage stamp would have an owl or somebody I would, I would come home from the grocery store and realize that some product I bought had a logo that was an owl, or I would see a little kid in the grocery store and he'd have a little owl stuffed animal. I mean, I thought, you know, this could just appear. And any of them would have been okay. They would all, all of them would have been perfectly acceptable answers. Right. And so that was the thing. I wasn't attached to an outcome. I was like, well, I know I'm going to see an owl because, and you know, part of me just said, well, it's my reticular activation. Sure. I mean, there are owls on products and stuffed owls and T-shirts with owls. I mean, it's all over the place. I just haven't really been looking for it. Now that I'm looking for it, I'll see it. And mm-hmm. maybe it'll be cool and come to me like a piece of mail with an owl right. on it. Yeah. Um, but 26 hours later, a ginormous owl flew up my office window right as I was looking out the window with the wing spread that was probably like five feet or more. Wow. I'm looking at my window. My window's four feet across. It was bigger than my window. and I never expected that. Yeah. Especially right? in a, like, you're in the middle of a city. That's that yeah. <laughs> would be a really rare event in the middle of a city. Right. And it was the middle of the day. Yep. And the mm-hmm. owl, I heard like fluttering on my window and I turned and looked and it was just flying up the window. Like it was making sure wow. I saw it. Crazy. And here's the thing though. I, I wasn't attached to the outcome. No. And that is what, because attachment causes resistance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That's another thing about instantaneous manifestation is that most of us don't believe we can. Right. right. Because yeah. everything else in life, I mean, everything in our life, we usually have to, there's time involved. We live in a, we live in a universe that we experience time as linear. Exactly. Even though it's not, but right. It's like, I go to a restaurant, I order something, I have to wait for it to come to me. And then, you know, I, it takes time to eat it like normal everyday stuff like that, like eating food and going somewhere. It takes time. So to think instantaneous, that brings us back to the idea of like watching a stage magician, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Clap his hands and there's a bird or, you know, or snaps his fingers, pulls a rabbit out of a hat. Everything happens fast and it happens right then. And there's no waiting on it unless he's just building some kind of tension with the audience. And so, but in our logical mind, we think that things take time. That's right. Here's the idea. If time is not linear and everything is happening at once, then we are creating everything instantaneously. That is very cool. I like that. <laughs> and it's true. I agree with you. <laughs> so, questioner, <laughs> you're already manifesting everything instantaneously. <laughs> also on the topic of the subconscious mind, I, I have to admit, I posted a, an answer that was a, a largely non-Neville answer. And people liked it, which was good, but it really was not a Neville answer at all. Um, because I I looked at the question in terms of well what is the subconscious mind? And the subconscious mind is simply in Abraham terms. I think I gave him an Abraham answer actually. Uh, in Abraham terms, it's all these old thoughts that we spun up into existence and we never actually provided a counterspin, so they're just spinning along and growing and getting bigger and bigger over time, and then they they come back and some of them come back to haunt us because they're what we think of as negative experiences or unhappy experiences, and they just keep going like that. Well basically they were beliefs that were built up. They were belief and thought systems that were built up. Well, how does that happen? By repeating them. We, just, we repeat them over and over again. So they start to build and build and build and build and build and build. And then all of a sudden it seems like we can't get rid of them anymore. Well, and that's momentum yeah. as well, right? Yeah. 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 So, so my answer to her was you, you think and feel repeatedly. That, that's how you do anything with the subconscious mind. 
You know, that that's what you always are doing with your subconscious mind. So if you want to do it deliberately, just think it and feel it repeatedly, which also ties in in a way to what Neville talks about, because he talks about oh, yeah. sending the feeling of the wish fulfilled every night before you go to sleep. Yeah. You know? And multiple times during the day, if that's possible. And any time exactly. you think about it. And that's another good point to bring up when we're talking about impressing the subconscious um, is feeling. Yes. You know, it works the opposite way as well. Like people that have um, are experiencing trauma or like PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. It's because there was an emotional component to whatever caused it. Right. Like when you get into, let's say, a, you know, a, a car accident, there's not just the physical component of, you know, you flying around in the car or whatever happens, but there's that emotional component of being shocked, of being scared and all of that. And the emotional component is what really sears that into um, our subconscious in our memory. Mm -hmm. And so that's to, to use that in a constructive way is to realize that when we feel things um, emotionally and physically, because when Neville talks about assuming the feeling, we're always careful to mention feelings like sensation. Neville talks about instead of picturing yourself climbing up a ladder like you're watching a movie, instead feel the the sides of the ladder in your hands and feel your feet stepping. So those are feelings. They're physical feelings. And then there's the emotional part of it. If you can't get to the emotional part, just stick with the, the five senses part. Right? Yeah. Like one of the examples Neville gives if you're wanting to um, – get this new job you've been really wanting. Well, we all, we want to pass up all the hows and go right to assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, which is you've just gotten the job. And one of the scenarios that he uses as an example is shaking the hand of the, yes. like your new boss reaches out and shakes your hand, or you tell your friend, I just got this great job and they shake your hand and you can feel their hand in your hand, shaking your hand. Sometimes it's easier to feel that physical handshake, feet on the ladder, hands on the ladder, um, maybe even smelling, you know, a cup of coffee or something in the new break room. You know, sometimes it's easier to imagine those things than it is to imagine like joy and happiness over getting the job. But sometimes if you'll tap into those physical things, then the emotional part will just happen. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that is... That's a cool connection. I mean, we, we don't really think about that too often, but there is a significant connection between our five senses and our emotional feelings. And we kind of ignore that at our peril, don't we? Yeah, because I think that, you know, going back to that question about how do we impress, I really like that the questioner used that word impress um, because I think of it in a physical way, like you're making an actual impression on the subconscious right, right, right? right like when you go out to plant seeds in the garden you make an impression in the dirt you dig a hole or you you form the dirt so what are we doing with the subconscious and it's the feelings and i'm when i say feelings i mean physical feelings and the emotions that make that impression it's not just an idea it's not just words if you want to really impress it you you want to use feelings and emotions true and yeah. the best time of course is when you're completely relaxed and you're if you can do it as you're falling asleep even better you you mentioned earlier um what is it that abraham says about when you're falling to sleep and the the point that they make is that it as you're falling to sleep is an excellent time to impress your mind and funny okay. too, when, when you use the words impress, I always think also in terms of the other meaning of the press. I'm not, am I impressing that person? Yeah. Am I impressing my subconscious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to make an impression. You want your subconscious to go, wow, that's a great yeah, right. exactly. Unfortunately, your your subconscious doesn't judge anything. No, so it doesn't really help a whole lot just, from that point of view. Just, well, but this is why sometimes the, the whole idea of worrying about something is like praying for what you don't want. Because right. when you're worrying about something, you're also impressing the subconscious. And the subconscious doesn't say, oh, that's a terrible idea. Whoa, whoa, don't do that. The subconscious just says, okay, all right. 
<laughs> That's why it's a good thing that we don't manifest instantly because think of all the things we manifest that we didn't really want to manifest just because we had just impressed our subconscious. <laughs> now, the other side of it, which is what happens after you go to sleep. And Abraham gives a different, different yes. explanation, actually one that seems to be at odds with what Neville says. But when you work it out to its conclusion, you realize they're saying the same thing from two different perspectives. Okay, tell me what they are, because I forget Abraham's view. That's fine, because Neville says, like you were describing, your your subconscious mind will work things through while you're asleep. All night, right. That's like the last command that the general gives the right. army, right? They're just going to keep doing it until that command changes. So the last impression that you make is what's happening. That's what Neville says. So what does and, Abraham say? And, and Neville's in good company. A lot of teachers say that. A lot of um, writers, a lot of guru types. Um, I mean, Linda Armstrong, who does the Friday show, she calls it night school. I think it's a great description. You know, yes. she likes to go to night school. Right. Um, Abraham says, and this is where you have to kind of – Wait for it. You have to wait for where it's going. They say, when we go to sleep, we are no longer manifesting. Okay. The manifestation process actually turns off. And what's happening is you are essentially rejuvenating. You're rebuilding the energy. You're connecting on a deeper level to source energy. Source energy is rejuvenating you. And that enables you when you wake up to be in your most receptive state. So okay. the way they would explain the particular thing that Neville's talking about is it isn't so much that you work it out in your in your sleep. Instead, what you do is you work out the the blocks that are in the way so that you wake up, you have that, quote, instant manifestation. Oh. It isn't really man instant because you had this whole, you know, six, seven, eight hour time period or whatever it is of clearing out the junk. Two hours for me. <laughs> It, 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 well, okay. <laughs> you have had those. You've also had the other, fortunately, but, uh, but it, it's a, it's a clearing process. It's a process of clearing out blocks. And when you clear out the okay. blocks, it's, it's almost as good as actually doing, you know, the, the focus on, and here's what I'm, I'm drawing in thing because you're clearing blocks out of the way. You're clearing resistance out. Well, I was just going to say, because there's no resistance. Yeah. Your resistance is leaving. Exactly. Right. So it reminds me of, in alchemy, the idea of solve et coagula, solve, it's dissolving. You are dissolving something, and then you are coagulating energy. You are bringing it back in, into the form that you want it. So, But the first step has to be releasing whatever's in the way. And so it's sort of like that. If, if, if what Abraham says is the case, then even though you've made an impression your body being able to relax and your body being able to be rejuvenated energetically means that the resistance is lessening. Exactly. And that's so then, why when we, when we wake up, actually, Abraham argues the idea that when we wake up, that's when our best opportunity is to manifest because we have the least amount of resistance at that particular point in time. Well, there's an idea that I think I, think I might have first learned it when I was reading the Abraham books. Um, especially the very first book years ago. And that was the idea that when you wake up, um, you can set your intention for the day before you even open your eyes. You can, and, and that's something that I've um, done forever is it seems like it's when I wake up, make a statement to myself in my mind about what I want the day to be like. In fact, I found that that particular practice is not only a good option, I found that it's actually essential because if you don't do it deliberately, your subconscious mind will do it for you and you may not like the path that it sets for you. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of something that I, before I knew all of this, it, it, I didn't, I didn't teach it as a metaphysical kind of thing. But when I used to have um, people working for me, I, one of the things that I used to say is that if you don't, um, if you don't plan your time, schedule your time, manage your time. Someone else will. And it, it really is true, uh, especially for people that, you know, have a flexible schedule. And I recognized it as uh, a young mother that, you know, there's always somebody that was saying, oh, could you do this? Could you do that? You know, how about this? Do you have anything going on at this time? Could you do that? And I realized I started scheduling in, and I have a habit of scheduling in all kinds of things into my calendar. Right. Like I'll schedule in time to read. I'll schedule in time to, you know, to do whatever, because otherwise 
someone else will schedule something there, mm-hmm. which sometimes is fine, but you don't want it to be the case all the time. So you don't want your subconscious to just be deciding. So yeah, that's a good idea. Setting the intention fresh. And I, I found it makes a big difference actually, because when I set that intention the way I want it to, I find a few <laughs> things happen. First thing I find is I, I very often will wake up not in the best frame of mind. I haven't totally figured out why, um, but I'll, I'll wake up with a, a frown on my face and I'll feel it. And I'll mm-hmm. say to myself, Ooh, okay, I got to turn this around quick. And I know, know this is the best time to do it. So I'm going to do it right now. And when I try to do it at that point, I kind of have to do a little effort to get past that frown because I got so much of a, a negative trend started there. So it takes a little reversing. Fortunately, the day has just started. So it hasn't built that momentum up to a big point yet. So it's a fairly easy thing to reverse, but it does take a little bit of effort. If I don't do that, I find that that frown turns into some more opportunities to frown. So that's where I say, this is really, really important. On the other hand, when I do it, when I actively take the time to set an intention for the day, I usually follow it up with my morning routine, you know, doing mirror exercises or watching my video or actually not or and watching my video and doing you know the various things that I do each morning. And they combine together to get that momentum going that Abraham talks about. I think that that's a really good thing to recognize is that, uh, you know, you said you would wake up with like a frown on your face. I noticed this has been like maybe six, eight months ago. I noticed that one week and I don't, I can't tell you what was going on. Like it, I can't say, Oh yeah. Well during this week that things were really hard. Right. Cause mm-hmm. at the time I was like kind of confused about why is this happening? But I noticed that I would wake up in the middle of the night and that I would have a, like my brow would be furrowed. Like I would mm-hmm. have a worried, like I was, my face had a worried facial expression and you know, after it happened like several nights in a row, I realized it and thought, Huh. Because I couldn't pinpoint like, oh, I'm so worried about whatever. I didn't really think I had any worries going on. But who knows what was happening <laughs> in my subconscious. But just to be able to make that intention um, and to notice it, I think that just points to the awareness, which we can't change anything without awareness. That's the beginning. It's an important beginning. You're absolutely right. And it's probably the first skill that I've consciously learned when I was learning Law of Attraction learning to be aware, mm-hmm. learning to notice things. Because the hardest part early on was not realizing that I was ignoring a whole bunch of stuff, stuff that was happening right in front of my nose, and I wasn't even noticing it. And, and I mean, how do you start noticing something that you don't know is there? It's, it's yeah. a little challenging. You well, know? I think that, again, it's the intention, right? Mm-hmm. And if you if you – if you wake up in a certain frame and you keep going, you will, you will draw to you opportunities to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So it reminds me of that story that one of my earliest mentors used to talk about. A man spills the coffee and it makes him angry. He right. says the coffee didn't make the man angry. The man made the coffee angry. the anger was already there (laughs) the anger was there and needed something to happen so that it could be expressed (laughs) so there we go so if we're waking up with a certain kind of you know emotional state then it makes sense that we would start moving through the day and have more things pop up that would allow us to express that thing which you know we want to make sure that's not the case. I, I'm writing down hashtags, and I just wrote that one as a hashtag. The man made the coffee angry. Somebody's going to see that, and they're going to say, what? <laughs> but it's such a great point. I mean, we don't think of it that way normally, and it's kind of a humorous way of looking at it. But it's not the coffee that did it. It's not the things that make us feel anything. We, 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 how, how, many, how many times in our language, in our expression, do we talk about things making us do things? It's right. That's one of the... I just I just did a video on this earlier in the week that that's one language tweak you can make that will really empower you is to stop saying something makes you feel a certain way. Yes. Stop saying, you know, the president makes me angry or the news makes me sad or my husband makes me so happy. Um, you can still feel angry and sad and happy. Just own the emotions. Don't give the power away to someone else. So you say every time I hear the president say X, Y, Z, I feel angry, right? When I, when I read this story in the news, I felt sad. 
uh, when I'm with my husband, I feel happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still expressing those emotions, but I'm, and that I'm feeling them. And also the other thing is that I feel happy. I feel angry. I feel sad. Not, I am angry. I am sad because I am so much more than one emotion. And, and our, I am statements are really powerful and I don't want to take that on. Uh-oh. Have you ever seen someone refer to someone else and they'll say they're angry. They are angry. Like they are angry all the time. Like they mm-hmm. are just a bundle of anger. Right. And I know sure. there are people oh, who are yeah. struggling with that. And I don't want to label myself or anyone else as an emotion. So I feel those things when I experience whatever. And that keeps me in my power where I'm responsible for those feelings. And obviously we, we don't tend to go too much into politics for good reason here on the show, but you mentioned that <laughs> and it made me think of something that I, I, I'm, you know, me, I, I'm a political scientist. I have this right. whole background in politics and so forth. A lot of which I'm trying to unlearn, but still it's there and I live with it and, and it's part of the contrast. Hey, it's okay. And, and I've noticed a lot of times that, particularly people who have activist mentalities. And I see this, especially on the right, on the right wing, there is a strong tendency whenever something uncomfortable comes up to point to the other wing and say, it's their fault. Mm. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether there's even an issue involved. There there might be no issue at all involved. It's just, it may be something as simple as, you know, the, the old analogy, you point your finger at somebody who has three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah. And so somebody has pointed out that they got three fingers pointing back at them. And the first response is, yeah, but what about what they're doing? What about what they're saying? What about this horrible thing that they're all about? It, it, it's like this instant reaction. Like, I've got to blame the other guy. It's well, their fault that I'm feeling this way. <laughs> what aboutism is an actual strategy. So, you know, it, it's out there. It, it has is. a name. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think part of that, what you're talking about, um, my husband and I were talking this morning and, and I think he said, well, that's our profound thought every day lately over and over applied in so many different ways. And it just goes back to fundamentalism. And we see fundamentalism in spiritual circles, All we over see the place. It in religious circles, we see it in politics and fundamentalism always divides because it always says you're wrong and I'm right. right. <laughs> and it's not open. It's not open to any other perspectives. It's not open that's to learning right. something new. And here's what I, here's why I think that's important for us in, in our show and in teaching what we teach and talking about what we talk about. Because in order for you to be a really powerful creator, you have to be willing to learn new things mm-hmm. and to unlearn some old things. And in order to do that, you have to have some kind of flexibility, right? And when we talk about flexibility, we can we can also move into talking about what's called neuroplasticity. Ah, yes. Right. And so when we when we have neuroplasticity, our brain is more powerful. Our consciousness is more powerful. We can create things in an easier way, and bigger and better things, and maybe in a more instant way. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Right. And so it's really important to be willing to listen to other ideas, to hear other ideas instead of, it doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything. No. It just means you're not going to automatically disagree with everything. Like we've seen some people that are very, very much um, big fans. I'm just going to use the word fans, big fans of Abraham Hicks big fans of Neville Goddard, Mm -hmm. big fans of, you know, certain teachers. And they, they get to a place where they are straddling that fundamentalist kind of mentality because they do not want to talk about the fact that anything these teachers could say could possibly be wrong or there Mm -hmm. could be any other idea. And if it even looks like you're veering over to say, well, you know, I kind of question that. Oh, then you're done. Like you're done. And (laughs) fundamentalism always has a very strong in group and a very strong out group. And in religious fundamentalism and spiritual circles, the way that shows up is that the in group is always the the enlightened group. Mm, Of course. (laughs) And And the person painting the in-group is always the one who's saying, this is the in-group over here. That's the out-group over there. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) And so it's it's an interesting um, phenomenon that right now, I think, you know, 
we are seeing kind of wholesale. Like it doesn't even matter if there's science involved or common sense involved or any of these other ideas. No. It's like, no, but I heard the idea from your side. So it's wrong and I'm not going to listen to it, even if, even though it may be something that saves my life, right? It's like, okay. And that's what happens in, in fundamentalism. And so I think, you know, I came out of a fundamentalist religious kind of mindset decades ago. And one of the things that caused me to come out of it is I realized that at fundamentalism is always extreme and at the most extreme end, people die. Mm-hmm. And that may that may in itself sound extreme, but think about the holy wars. People die. Sure. And so it's like, okay, I don't want to be involved in anything. Like the, the more rigid a belief system is, the less inclined I am to have anything to do with it. And here's the thing that I think has served me so well about that. I'm a really powerful magician. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I I say that because it's true. And I think part of that is because I'm so willing to learn and unlearn things. Yeah, sure. Right. And so, uh, you know, there, we all want like these finite answers. Like what's the answer to this? Here it is. That's why I'm always saying, well, according to Neville, <laughs> according to Abraham, according, cause there's lots of ideas out there. Well, what, what's the word that we use to another word, an alternative word to describe a magician? It's a wizard. And what's a wizard? A wise one. Someone who has attained wisdom. What's wisdom? Knowing that you don't have all the answers. Yeah. That you're you're still trying to learn what the questions are. As soon as you think you have them all, that's the warning sign. Uh Uh-oh. And to to borrow an Abraham concept, the moment that everybody agrees on everything is when everybody dies because there's nothing else to learn. There's nothing left to do. You were talking earlier about like new creation, a new creation, like Mm -hmm. with your magnetism question, like is it creating something new? Right. Um, or is it just repelling because there's no new anything there? Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about how um, nature in itself, it's the nature of nature to expand. Mm-hmm. We always want more. Now, sometimes we're guilted into thinking that's wrong. Growing up, you know, sure. we might be guilted into thinking it's wrong to want more. Um, but nature wants more. Trees get bigger. You know, everything grows and expands and the universe is expanding all the time. And so it makes sense that that's what consciously or subconsciously we're trying to do is to keep expanding, to keep learning, to keep growing. And as soon as we get in that mindset that we know everything and that we don't want to hear it, if it comes from a particular source, um, then we shut that down. We start shrinking. Interesting. You should mention that, too, because... um... During the interview yesterday with the stream, um, I remembered one of my other questions that I was going to ask Abraham. So I asked them that same question. And it was a question we had addressed here on the show. You had addressed it with me. I'd addressed it with other co-hosts. And all of you guys pretty much gave the same answer. Because uh, my question was, what is expanding? I mean, we know that there's this expansion goes on, but what's the substance that's doing the expanding? And all of you guys pretty much came to the conclusion, well, it's our consciousness that's expanding, yeah. which is exactly what the stream said. So yeah. I got a, I got confirmation on that particular question. I love that name, right? It sounds like a like Doesn't a it sound superhero good? or a rock star, a race car driver, or a surfer or something. Did you right? see Stream? Yeah. Stream, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the hot new rock group or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like it. That's great. But that's great. It, 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 it's fun when you get, to me, the, the, that's the ultimate kind of synchronicity. People talk about synchronicities a lot. And for good reason. To me, that's the, the fun one. The fun one is where you get an answer and then you get the same answer from somebody else. And then you get a confirmation from a third party and then from a fourth party. And it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you can stop <Right>? now. <laughs> but that's it. That's that's the alignment. Yes. Right. And that's what happens when we can consciously surf the synchronicity when we start creating the synchronicity that's when you know you're starting to gain some power and momentum and it only means there's no right or wrong to it it's just alignment right yeah you know i I often tell that story about the the writers group i was in or it wasn't a group of writers it was just a group but we were a, a business people and one of the people in the group was having some really kind of horrifying things and shocking supernatural kind of things taking Mm. place 
that, that weren't things anybody would consciously want to experience. Right. And come to find out, she was um, an author that wrote horror. Oh, yeah. And was was spending like 12 hours a day writing. And, you know, the the person facilitating the course said, well, what do you think you're going to start creating in your life when you're that deeply immersed in in that topic every single day? And I thought, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so what she was experiencing were synchronicities. Exactly. And so we can ex- we can align to anything mm-hmm. and start seeing synchronicities. The other thing I think is important, we might have talked about this already at some point, but I was talking about it with another client recently. And it was the idea that when we experience a synchronicity, we often feel like it's a stamp of approval from the universe that we're on the right track. And it's not, I'm not saying that's a wrong way to feel. I do it too. Like I'm working on something and these synchronicities start happening. I'm like, yes, like it's happening. But that's because I'm consciously wanting to align with a certain energy. And I know I am because I'm seeing the synchronicities. Yeah. However, they're for now. And just because it's the right place or, you know, the right place for me to be right now, aligning with this thing and working on this thing, it might not be in the future. And I mm-hmm. say that as somebody who was in a relationship where at the beginning of the relationship, there were so many ridiculous synchronicities. It was just unbelievable. And then as the relationship really went bad and did not continue in a good way and became very abusive. I would look back on those synchronicities as some kind of proof that I was supposed to be in that relationship. Mm, Oh yeah. Mm. And it wasn't proof of anything. It wasn't a stamp of approval. It was just where we were aligned at one time and we weren't aligned anymore. Mm -hmm. And so those signs didn't do me any good. That's true. Yeah, right. I couldn't let go of them. I kept saying, but what, you know, what about all these things that happened? They had lived out the usefulness, but yes. you had <laughs> let go of them. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's what signs are for. I mean, they, when, when I'm traveling down the highway, the, the sign that I saw 30 minutes ago doesn't help me anymore. Oh. It's the only one that's in front of me that helps me. <laughs> Perfect analogy. That's it. That's right. The one that helps you is the one you can see right now. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> If you're not seeing it right now, then that's not the sign. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> right. I wanted to also uh, take a moment to ask you a question because listeners know they're, they're, they've gotten sick of the fact that I still haven't been able to release the app, even though it's essentially done. But the, the turning it into different versions for the different kinds of phones and so forth has proven to be more of an obstacle than I thought it was going to be. And I'm not expecting you to be a, a programmer, but I realize that I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. I want to know what your first impression is. There, there are two different issues I'm experiencing, and one of them involves I go to test the app in a build format. In other words, in a format where it's, where it's ready to be loaded yep. onto a platform and onto a phone or whatever. And then I go to test it, and the main page works fine. And then I try to click over to another page, and no matter what page I go to, it's blank. And then if I go back to the homepage, it's blank. And then everything is blank after that. And I'm thinking, there's got to be a metaphorical thing going I, on here somewhere. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, okay, what are we learning from this? Right. What, what, uh, I would ask myself that question. Here's the question that I would ask. Where else in my life am I seeing something like this? Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, here's why I say that. Um, there we have different areas of our life right we have our business and we have relationships and we have uh however we make money and we have our health and and oftentimes if we're stuck in one area with something like this right it's like ah oh, what is happening um we get stuck and it's really hard to shift because we're sort of too close to it we're too mm-hmm. focused on it there's a lot of attachment to an outcome But when we can realize, oh, this is just like over here, and it's in an area where there's not so much of an emotional charge, we're not so attached. If we shift it there, it shifts in the other place too. Because our being, our life is holographic. Mm. And so if I'm working with someone and they're having a lot of problems with work and there was some thing that keeps happening, we can find another place. And maybe it's like, oh, that's just like, you know, in, in my relationship or in my health, um, 
And then we realize, okay, we make a shift there and it shifts across the board. So I don't know if that helps. That's, but maybe that's a good idea though. I'm, I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to see if I can answer that question. Are there parallels going on in my life that are very similar to that? There probably is one somewhere. I just hadn't noticed it. There's another example of it. You don't, it's going on. It's right in front of your nose. <laughs> you don't see it. You know? <laughs> so my, my tip to you, because this is what I do. It works for me is to not struggle over it too much. But before you go to bed tonight, give your brain, because you know, your brain always works all night long. Give your brain the the uh, assignment, say, when I wake up in the morning, I want to know what the other area is that yeah. is, and yeah. see if. <laughs> That's a good, well, I, I've been asking for a solution and this might be a better way to get there. Just, you know, go indirect, go to, okay, so where's the parallel? Yeah. I like that. That's good. Thank you. See, it was great. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I'll, I'll share it as soon as I have it. Okay, good. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Me too. I can't wait to get the app published. Uh, <laughs> and I know a bunch of listeners are waiting for it as well, as well as some co-hosts are saying, I'm ready to be a beta tester. <laughs> yeah, me too. So thank you very much. Another great show, another great uh, series of topics, considering we didn't really have a topic when we started. We didn't. <laughs> it's just amazing how we do that. <laughs> but thank you very much. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.